With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Blog Talk Radio. Hey guys, welcome back to the Big Ten Powerhouse Podcast. This is podcast number nine. We're moving on with our Big Ten season preview with Iowa and Minnesota this week. Um, as a reminder, we're going with uh, reverse order of your conference win totals over the last five years. So um, we started with Penn State Rutgers. Moving along down, both of the last teams are Wisconsin and Ohio State. Um, obviously, those two programs have been pretty good over the last <laughs> five years or so, so they uh, they top out. But, but regardless, um, this time we're talking about Iowa and Minnesota. Um, we have one of our writers with us. Um, is this Ryan? Can you hear me? Or Josh? Josh? Yeah, Thomas, I'm here. Hey, Josh, how you doing? <laughs> Pretty good, man. How about you? Good. Uh, do you want to take a second to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, so I'm Josh Stern. I'm a junior at the University of Michigan. Um, I cover mostly Michigan for BT Powerhouse, but um, I love covering Iowa. I'll cover a little bit of Michigan State. Um, I'll kind of do a little bit of everything, but I'm really excited for the upcoming season. Okay, cool. Um, and I believe, Robert, are you on here? Yep. Uh, do you want to take a second to introduce yourself? Yeah, um, Robert O'Neill. I cover recruiting for Iowa, Minnesota, and Ohio State. But, I mean, you know, I'm pretty much all around the Big Ten with fandom and such. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think Ryan is here as well, correct? Ryan, can you hear us? Hello? You guys there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, why don't you take a second introduce yourself? <laughs> sure, yeah. I'm uh, Ryan Probasco. I cover mostly Iowa stuff. Okay, cool. Well, we're happy to have you here, um, especially since we're covering Iowa. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah, so uh, why don't we why don't we jump right into it here? Um, what are you guys' uh, your general thoughts of Iowa coming into the season? Um, obviously, they're coming off. First NCAA tournament appearance in a while. Um, really, I wouldn't say the first expectations in a while, but definitely the first um, legitimate success in, in the big dance since, jeez, uh, what are we on, almost uh, 10 years. But, uh, yeah, Ryan, why don't you uh, – what are your general thoughts coming into this year? Um, general thoughts are, I guess, they'll, they'll run a deep roster again. Um whether that ends up being a good thing for them or not. I think at times last year, Fran maybe got a little too um, liberal with his bench in terms of not you know, figuring out what his most efficient lineup was and running with that. And he was more so interested in playing as many guys as he could, I guess, that were capable of doing that. Um, they definitely have a tough schedule again this year. I know they have North Carolina and Texas and, 
they have Iowa State every year in non-conference, and that's before even Big Ten play starts. And as we all know, that's at the gauntlet. So um, they'll probably, if all things go well, they'll probably be a bubble team again. Um, and I think that would be a successful year for them as well. So, Okay. Um, Josh, what are your thoughts? Um, I think the big thing with Iowa is kind of getting over the hangover of the last 10 games of the season because they had such a good stretch up to that point. They had great wins at they had a great win at um, Iowa State to start the year. But at the end of the year, it was just kind of tumultuous. They couldn't really figure it out. Um, like Ryan said, Fran kind of never really got his rotation right. Um, and I think the big question is who's going to replace Roy Devin Marble because he was such a great scorer for them. He was kind of a do-it-all type of player. So, I mean, they have Giselle in the backward, and they have guys like that, but it's really a question of next man up and, and who can be that guy that can score 20 points a game if they need it. All right. Uh, Robert, how do you see things? Yeah, you know, they pretty much nailed it. I know from a recruiting perspective, uh, I wrote an article about it the other day. They got a few nice recruits coming in. They got uh, Brady Ellingson, who was one of the best players in the state of Wisconsin last year. He can score a little bit. And uh, Trey Dirkison is one of the best players in junior college last year. So the scoring, I mean, obviously high school and junior college aren't the Big Ten, but you would think maybe a little bit it can carry over. That could help them out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, I think uh, I think the big thing, at least from my perspective, is uh, replace a marble is the biggest question mark. I mean, he uh all Big Ten player last year, and frankly, from start to finish, he – I think it's fair to say he was definitely the team's best offensive player. Um, I think you can argue Aaron White was with him in terms of total contributions, but uh, offensively, I mean, he was just, I think, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to pick anyone but Nick Stauskas in front of him offensively last year. Um, He's just a monster. So I think um, if they can figure out uh, how to replace his production, like, this could be a pretty good team. Um, But, uh, yeah. So let's let's jump into some of the position positional groups here. Um we'll go with guards. Um uh Ryan, how do you how do you see things shaking out there? Um well Gazelle is gonna start at the one. That's not even a question at this point. That's Fran's guy, that's that's who makes this offense go. Um he's gonna push the ball nearly every possession. He gets up the court probably faster than any guard in the Big Ten. He's he's great at getting that offensive possession started with, you know, 31 seconds on the shot clock. Um, and that's a big it's a big identity uh, thing about their offense. Um, at the two guard, it's it's going to be tough because Jack, uh, Peter Jack, a sophomore, who's going to be a sophomore this year, is going to push Jack, Josh Oglesby for that two spot. Um, Oglesby can be extremely steady at that spot, but I think Jack just has a ton more to offer in terms of offensive potential. Oglesby is more of a spot shooter and coming off screens and stuff like that. Jock is, is a lot lengthier and, and could, could possibly develop a, a get-to-the-rim get type game as well. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're going to run three solid guards for the most part, and Dickerson is going to be a huge X factor as well. Um, I don't really know what to expect out of him being a first-year guy coming in. Um but he's definitely talented, and he can he can probably play both guard spots as well. So that's a nice advantage for his game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Josh, how do you how do you see it in the backcourt? Um, pretty pretty similar to what Ryan said. I think uh, 
Mike Giselle definitely has has the point guard spot locked up. I think that's pretty clear. Um, I'd kind of be interested to see both how Peter Jock and Anthony Clemens develop, um, especially because Fran did play both of them at times last year, maybe not in so much crunch time, but to see whether, you know, each year older Jock being a sophomore, Clemens being a junior, whether they can develop a little bit more. And and I guess the big thing, too, the biggest X factor in the background, I think, is Trey Dickerson. Because Dickerson has the ability to be, he was a great scorer in junior college. The question is whether he can translate that to being an effective scorer at the Big Ten, and, and that remains to be seen. But if he can do that and they can get something out of either Jock or Clemens, I think they could have a really solid backcourt. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Rob, how do you see it? Yeah, you know, I mean, they pretty much nailed it with uh, the point guard spot. But I really do think, and maybe it's just because I've watched so much film on him the past couple of days, but I think Trey Dickerson will end up probably a big part of the team. Uh, probably locking down the two spot. I mean, that's he's a little undersized for the two. I mean, he's 6'1", but, uh, I mean, I can still see it because he's, he's more of a scorer than a point guard. So if he's a little taller, he'd be a natural shooting guard. All right. Um, yeah, yeah. I think um, I don't. I kind of agree with uh, Ryan here. I don't think there's any doubt that uh, Giselle will be starting at the point. And uh, he was. He was. I mean, as good as Marble was in the backcourt, um, Giselle was pretty good himself. I mean, he. I think you can make a pretty good argument um, if there isn't. If there isn't. Even. <laughs> if there even is one, um, that he was the best passer on the team last year. Um, I do think there is going to be a challenge. Again, I keep going back to it, but uh, replacing Marvel, um, just from a statistical point, you know, standpoint, he um, took like 200 more attempts than anybody else last year. Um, it's like five more attempts per game. That's a huge void to fill. Um, obviously, uh, you know, Jock, um, Clemens, those guys, those will be interesting to watch just because they're, they're kind of on the younger side. So, um, they do have breakout potential, especially uh, Jock. I mean, he could turn into a, uh, a really good player, um, depending on how he develops. Um, a little off the court trouble. Um, yeah, Ryan. Ryan, what what exactly went down in that? <laughs> uh, with Jock, I know he got trouble with drinking and riding his scooter, uh, but then I believe <laughs> there may have been another incident as well. Uh, but I'm not sure the specifics okay. on that, so I don't really talk on it. Okay, yeah, he, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously that doesn't affect on the court, you know, theoretically, but, uh, still something to keep an eye on, um, in terms of his development. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think Dickerson's the, he's the X factor. I mean, if he comes in and produces right away, that, that literally can change everything about the team. Um, but yeah, I, I still think it's a good unit overall. Um, yeah, I guess moving on down to the, uh, the wings, um, if you want to include, you know, stretch fours or, you know, whatever, feel free. Um, Ryan, how do you, how do you see things, um, performing out there? Uh, well, it'd certainly be nice if Utah can, can take a hold of that three spot because they're going to be relying on Aaron White to hold down that four. Um, possibly Dom Ewell coming in, 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 in certain spots, but, um, Aaron White's going to play majority of the minutes that four spot and, and Utah is going to need to be able to give them 20, 25 minutes a night at that three spot if they want to be able to, you know, be competitive at that position. I don't, I don't see another player that can, that can do that role for them. His defense is, I guess it remains to be seen whether he can 
third down that position like that because he came off the bench mostly last year, and it's hard to get a solid read on a guy who was only playing, you know, limited minutes. And and <clears throat> so I guess that is the, the key for them, whether or not Utah can hold it down. I'm, I, I'm not worried about Aaron White, um, mostly because of what he's done in the past, and he's going to be as reliable as they come. So um, uh, it all depends on what Utah can do, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh, how do you see it? Um, I mean, I absolutely agree. The one thing that I'm that I'm interested in, I don't know whether Fran or whether Iowa's even thought about this, is if maybe Utah isn't having a great year, maybe moving Aaron White down to the three and sliding Olashaney into the four. Um, Olashaney, I think, is mobile and versatile enough to kind of play that role. And if Aaron White has has good enough ball handling skills, maybe you know, in in certain situations, moving him down there. But I, like I I agree. I think it's Utah's spot to lose. They don't really have much depth there. But in certain situations, maybe Aaron White slides down a little to kind of give him a little more versatility. Yeah, that was something um, that Fran had spoke about um, prior to last year, using that two-center lineup. Um, he didn't see too much of it, if at all, uh, last year. So it'll be interesting to see whether he employs that more this year. Yeah, that's a uh, that's an interesting thing. I mean, from my perspective, I uh, I don't know. I don't know if White would be a better fit there, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely possible if he if he hasn't producing um, for Utah. But uh, Rob, how do you see it? Um, I definitely think the two center lineup could be a possibility, really, because just getting all that size out there will definitely be beneficial. And mm-hmm. you, you know, you don't have a true three necessarily, so maybe yeah, you might have to just slide Aaron White there and play two of your big men in the two big men positions and hope that they can contribute. Yeah, and that uh, that might help some of the defensive issues that Hawkeyes uh, had last year too. Um, there was a couple games where it just they just fell apart on that side. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with what everybody's saying so far. Um, I do I do like Aaron White. Um, I mean, I guess everybody kind of does at this point. But uh, um, he's productive. I think you kind of already know what you're going to get out of him. Um, I guess unless you or move him to a different position, then I guess you don't know. But um yeah, I think uh I think you kinda know. Um maybe a little bit of a weaker position, but we'll see. Um yeah, I guess moving moving more towards the front court, um uh Ryan, how do you see that? Uh well Woodbury is gonna be your guy that's playing, you know, at least starter minutes uh at that five spot. Um he is a legitimate rim protector. Whether or not he develops an offensive game by the time he leaves Iowa is still yet to be known. Um, but I'd expect – this may be strange to say, but I, they're going to try to replace Marble by using multiple guys, and Woodbury's mm-hmm. offensive game is going to have to have to develop a little bit this year because he's going to be one of those guys that they ask to do a little bit more. They're not going to ask one guy. They don't have one guy to, to replace what Marble did, but Woodbury is – under the radar are going to be one of those guys that they ask to to score a little bit more this year. And, um, you know, being how his defense is, maybe he was able to, to focus on his offensive game this offseason a little bit more uh, to make him make himself more rounded. Um, I think I think about halfway through last year, if you looked at the numbers, you know, offensive rating and defensive rating, Shaney was right there, maybe even a little bit better uh, than Woodbury. Um, you know, whether or not, the quality of competition between the two is the same or equal. I, I don't know. Um, but Ola Shaney is going to push for minutes and 
uh, I don't know. That's 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 a spot that I think is as good as it gets on this roster. I think both Olashaney and Woodbury could play um, at least, you know, starter-type minutes, and they wouldn't skip a beat. So, um, But, yeah, like I said, it, Woodbury's offensive game, if, if it can come around, that's that's a huge, huge help to this team. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh, how do you see it? Um, yeah, pretty much the same thing. I mean, you do have you have two true centers in Olashaney and Woodbury, and I think – like you said, the, the ball has to go through Woodbury. You lose Marble. Um, just looking at the rest of the roster, Giselle is more of a pass-first player. Aaron White is going to be the guy that teams are going to start to double more and more. So Woodbury is going to have to go 10, 15 points per game, 7, 8 rebounds consistently for Iowa to have have a chance to win some of the tougher games in the Big Ten. Um, like you were saying, too, that Olashaney and Woodbury both deserve starter minutes. I think that's why the two-center lineup makes sense, to be honest, because you know what you're getting out of them you know that you're going to get good production on the offensive and defensive end. I mean, Ola Shaney is one of those guys that if you need him to guard a three, he can guard a three, he can guard a four, he can guard a five. He's tough. He doesn't take bad shots. Um, so I think just in terms of how sure you are about those two players, I mean, their front court, with, and if you include White in there too, their front court is one of the best in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, Rob, how do you how do you see it here? Yeah, I definitely agree that they have a lot of talent in the front court, and it does definitely start with Adam Woodbury. I mean, he's so much taller than everyone else. If he can just <laughs> develop his game a little bit, he'll get that much more of an advantage. So it it definitely starts with him. Yeah, I um I definitely agree that I think um a lot of it is going to come down to Woodbury and how he develops. Um, I do I do just want to say that uh, um. He, I, I do not have high hopes for him. Um, the only reason I, I say this, and uh, I don't like to be too negative, but, man, some of the fouls and some of the plays he commits are just, I can't even explain. I mean, it's just, uh, I think he's going to have trouble staying on the court. Um, Ryan, do you agree with that? or? Uh, no, I would disagree. Um, mm. his, his defense is so solid that Fran is going to need him to be on there. And the only reason I would say that, that two center lineup may be less of a thing than we think is because they're a little shallower um, at that mm-hmm. four spot. So you, you can have both Olashaney and Woodbury on the court, but you know once one of them comes out, he needs a breather or whatever. You're you're thin front court wise, so um, you can't have both of them out at the same time. If if that makes sense. I um. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, 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 for me, I mean, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big proponent of a small lineup, especially in college. So I think, uh, I, I just, I think you're going to lose a lot of offensive production by having the two guys out there, um, and a lot of floor spacing, especially if you're losing Marble, who is a really good shooter. But, um, yeah, I mean, again, I'm, I'm not that high on Woodbury, um, ton of talent, talent through the ceiling, but. I'm just worried about how he's going to actually develop. Um, we'll see, though. I mean, who knows? <laughs> I mean, obviously he has a ton of talent, so he could turn into a really good player. Um, but, yeah, I guess moving on to some of the new pieces. Um, Rob already mentioned some, but uh, the new recruits and newcomers through transfer. Um, Ryan, uh, any any pieces that you see pop out? Uh, it's all about Dickerson for me. He's... He's not a true freshman coming in. He's he's got experience at college level type basketball, and he's exactly 
he's exactly what Fran looks for in a guard, a high tempo, a guy that can push the ball, a guy that can see the floor, and he can flat out score too. Um, he's going to demand the ball whenever he finds his role in this offense, and, and I am excited to see what he can do. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh, how about you? Yeah, I'd say the same thing. I mean, I think Ryan was saying this before, but Dickerson's basically been given the keys to take over the two spot, um, and I think it's his spot to lose. So, I mean, I was hoping, you know, they can get a, some decent production out of him early. I don't expect much from uh, Ellingston or from Dom Yule, but I think Dickerson could be one of those pieces that if Iowa wants to make a little bit of noise, then I think he has to play really well for them. Uh, Rob, any thoughts? Pretty much nailed it. It starts with Dickerson, oh. absolutely. I think we good? Oh, okay. sorry, he cut off. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I think it definitely does start with Dickerson, but I think Dom Ewell, if he's uh, he's very raw, but if they can somehow find a way to harness his just pure talent, he could be a big piece down the stretch. Mm, yeah, yeah, I mean, jumping I think, off this um, point for one for oh. one second, I think I mean. Looking at Iowa's roster, I mean, Judhoff doesn't really have a backup. Uh, Aaron White doesn't really have a backup. So Dom Yule might be one of those guys that might just be trial by fire based on the fact that they have no one at three or the fourth they can play, and they might have to play him. Yeah, yeah, I think um, that's an interesting point. Um, yeah, I guess not to uh, – <laughs> Not to talk about uh, Dickerson too much. Um, yeah, I think he's a key piece just because he's a transfer. Um, already has experience, but uh, yeah, I think Yule's That's an interesting guy to bring up just because um, I think we've seen that McCaffrey will play deep lineups. He'll play his bench a lot if he needs to or if he feels like he wants to. Um, so yeah, I mean he, especially if Utah isn't performing. Um, yeah, I, w- I wonder. Uh, I feel like yeah, he definitely could get involved a decent amount. Um, Rob. Rob, do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he's got the talent. I mean, he's only played basketball in this country for a year, and he's already playing for a Big Ten team. So he seems to be a quick learner, plus just raw ability. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan, how about you? Do you agree with that? or You all could possibly see more minutes than we expect? Mm-hmm. Is that where? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he may have to. That's the thing. Um I wouldn't discount White's game down low. He's, if you look it up, he's one of the more efficient rebounders around. Uh, maybe surprising to some people, um, but like I said, you know, they can't have both Olashaney and Woodbury out of the game at the same time. So Ewell may get minutes just because they need him to, and not because of he deserves it. Or you know, that's not a slight on him, but he may be thrown in when he's not necessarily ready to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess uh, moving, moving into our next point, um, what do you see as the uh, the biggest strength of this team, uh, Ryan? Biggest strength, um, I think just overall offensive game, tempo-wise, this team is going to push the ball like no other, um, like it did last year, and it'll be one of the more uh, high-scoring teams in the conference. Um, so, yeah, I'd say just overall offensive output. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh, how about you? Um, I think it's the fact that you have so many guys returning. I mean, you know, Giselle, Udhoff, and Woodbury are juniors. 
Ola Shaney, Ogles being wider seniors, even Peter Jock and Clemens, uh, Jock's a sophomore, Clemens is a junior, they played big minutes last year. So I guess just the fact that you have eight guys that know Rand McCaffrey's system, that have played lots, like lots of minutes last year, and so when they get into big games, they're not going to be scared or intimidated by going to a, a hostile, hostile environment. Uh, Rob, how are you? Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was going to say with all the guys returning. I mean, you lost a very talented piece in Marble, but he's the only thing they lost. So you've got a lot of guys that know the system already. You've got a lot of guys that have played, you know, these tough road games, and that that's big. Yeah, I think um, definitely the experience. That's a good thing to bring up. Um, definitely with all the rotation in the Big Ten, especially with the uh, the top teams, this is going to be one of the more experienced teams this year, um, especially in the starter, starting lineup. Um, for me, I, uh, as much as I just ripped on uh, Woodbury a couple minutes ago, uh, I think, uh, I think the front court, just because, um, I mean, Woodbury is at least a solid option. Um, and then Aaron White, I think unless somebody breaks out big time, I think he's the best player on this team, um, which I think everybody would agree with. But, um, I think you're going to have a lot of rebounding prowess. I think he's going to be, uh, tough to score inside, um, the tempo is an interesting thing to bring up. I um, wonder how that's going to be affected without Marble as much, um, especially, you know, nailing outside shots. But, uh, yeah, that's an interesting thing. Um, on the flip side, what do you guys see as the biggest weakness? Uh, we'll start with uh, Ryan. Uh, yeah, something I don't think we've touched on yet is the, the loss of Basabi down low. Whether or not <clears throat> you could rely on him to crack 20 minutes a night last year, he was definitely a presence and someone that was – you know, at least stable and capable of holding down that four spot. Um, White is going to be learning on the fly at that spot. Um, And so I guess it comes down to lack of depth in the front court. Um, As much as I like White, Woodbury, and Olashaney, if one of them goes down for an extended period, they are going to be hard-pressed to – keep up with the other contenders in this league down low. Um, Josh? Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's the front court depth. I mean, as of right now, you have four guys playing in three spots, and maybe Dom Mule is a fifth, but he's unproven and who knows. So if guys get in foul trouble or someone gets hurt, I mean, they are razor, razor thin up there. Um, I don't know. I mean, the Big Ten is rugged, and they have a tough schedule. They go to North Carolina. They have some really tough road Big Ten conference games. I mean, if they can if they can keep guys healthy and keep guys out of foul trouble, then maybe. But that's a big if for for this team. Uh, we will go to Rob. Yeah, you know, I definitely agree that the front court depth will be an issue. But I think not having a go to scorer like they had last year with Marble will be pretty big too. I mean, Aaron White's good, but he's never been you know the main guy on the team, so you really don't know if he can be you know, a go to guy. Yeah, that was actually the point I was going to bring up, and not to keep uh, grilling this uh, <laughs> this marble point <laughs> into the ground. But um, yeah, I mean, he was a he was a big offensive weapon, and I think um, even the people who think they oh go ahead <laughs> um oh sorry uh, yeah I think he um, he he was a huge offensive weapon, and I think it's um, even the people who think that they're going to be fine, um, have to uh, acknowledge that he was a uh, a big loss here. Um, but 
it'll be it'll be interesting to see whether they can replace that, especially on the outside, um, where he he nailed the most uh, three pointers for the team. But um, yeah, I guess moving more generally, um, what do you guys see as the biggest storyline of this season? Uh, we'll go to Ryan. Uh, you're putting me on the spot. Biggest storyline. <laughs> um, I guess it's you know whether they can make the tournament or not, like exactly the same as it was last year. I mean, um, <laughs> at times last year, this team played like a, a four or five seed, and then they get knocked out in a play-in game. Um, I guess another little wrinkle to it is whether they can, you know, do it the whole year. I, I don't know what mm-hmm. they started through 20 games last year, but their first 20 games were, were certainly a lot better than their last 15. So uh, withstanding and consistently pushing through the entire season – um, that's that's another point, I guess. That could be another storyline. Uh, Josh, what do you think? Um, I guess the biggest thing is being able to start as hot as they were last year. Um, they have some really tough non-conference games. Like we were mentioning before, they have Texas. They have to go to North Carolina. They'll play a very good Iowa State team at home. And then their first Big Ten, first six Big Ten games are at Iowa State, home against Nebraska, home against Michigan State at Minnesota, home against Ohio State, and at Wisconsin. There's a real possibility that they could be 1-5 or 2-4 and four after those first six games. So I wonder how Fran is going to get some of the guys to respond, and, and hopefully from there they can they can turn the season around if, if it comes to that. Um, Rob? Uh, I mean, I think it just has to be, can you do what you did last year? Can you do better than you did last year? Because – that's really what it comes down to for programs like this that don't have necessarily a pedigree that they need these huge expectations. You're just looking to build year to year. Yeah, I think it's a uh, it's an interesting question just because uh, um, they were so Jekyll and Hyde last year. And the thing is, is like if you said before the season what the team's goal was, I think making the NCAA tournament was the obvious goal. I mean, they've been so close the last few years and actually make it is huge but the way they made it I uh Ryan you can you can comment on this after whether you agree but that had to be like the most disappointing way to make it ever I mean just completely fell apart as the season went on and I mean to lose the Northwestern and um just a disaster and um do you agree with that at all did it kind of feel like empty even though you made it or yeah it definitely was I mean beginning of the year, if you said they would have made it, if you would have told everyone their record, their final record, and that they made it to the NCAA tournament at the beginning of the year, everyone would have been fairly excited. Um, just the way that it went down was was terrible because they, you know, three quarters through the season, they are looking like a lock and someone that can possibly sneak into a run uh, in the tournament. But um, they did lose to a good Tennessee team. and no excuses for mm-hmm. losses like – uh, to Illinois at home or Northwestern in the first round of the tournament, uh, conference tournament. Um, those were definitely inexcusable losses. Um, so yeah, I'd agree that it was, it was, it was an accomplishment. Yet it was, it, it felt, it felt empty. Yeah. And that's, that's what I, what I think is so weird because it's like, you're coming off a good year, but at the same time, you're also like trying to, actually get into the tournament with the the success, which sounds it sounds weird, but right. I think um if you right. watch You're the season I think it makes sense. <laughs> They're trying to write something that was, you know, 
from a broader standpoint, a fairly good season, which is definitely weird. Yeah, so I think I think that's going to be an odd thing coming into this year, whether you view it as trying to build off success. I mean, granted, this is just, you know, from a fan perspective, but whether you want to build off success or whether you're actually trying to get there, um, maybe they view, you know, this year we're going to make it into the round of 64 instead of the first four. But um, I think I think that's going to be an interesting thing in how they view it, whether they view that they've made, that they've arrived or they haven't. But, um Outside of that, I think um, I think the biggest thing has to just be uh, making making it back to the NCAA tournament. Hopefully, making some noise, and I, I think just playing more consistently. I mean, um, at the be- I mean, it, there was a point in the season where people were seriously considering Iowa winning the Big Ten, you know, regular season championship, and they weren't even close at the end of the year. Um, so I think I think. I think playing more consistently will be huge, but uh, yeah, I guess I guess come, jumping off of that, we can get into um, now. What are your what are your predictions? Are they gonna make it back? Are they gonna compete for the Big Ten? Um, Ryan, what do you think? Uh, I think they'll be middle of the pack in the Big Ten, uh, just based on the schedule. I think they'll make a push for the tournament. Um, I don't know if I can back up one way or another saying that they are going to make it or not. I think they're going to be in, in the conversation, um, but not a lock, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh, how do you feel? Um, I mean, like Ryan said, looking at the schedule, I'd give them, I'd say, 9-9 nine and nine in the Big Ten. I honestly think that uh, some of their early non-conference games, depending on how good Texas is, depending on how good North Carolina, Iowa State is, because um, I, I mean I, I I think that after last year after not having marble down the stretch in in some of these games I think it will come back to bite them, so I think it's really a matter of how weak or strong the bottom of the of the teams contending for the for the last couple spots are. I mean if if they can get some quality non conference wins and maybe get a great win at Wisconsin at Ohio State at Michigan something like that then maybe they'll get in. But right now I'm not really sure. Uh, Rob, how do you feel? Yeah, you know, I gotta agree. I think they'll be on the bubble. I think maybe a couple Big Ten tournament wins could get them in. Um, it does definitely come down to those non-conference games. You know, Texas, North Carolina, Iowa State, because they're very middle of the road Big Ten teams, so they should be right around 500, and that's good enough to at least get you some consideration. Yeah, I definitely agree. I had them eighth in the Big Ten, right behind Indiana, ahead of Minnesota, who, conveniently, the next team we're going to talk about. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, is, like, if you're if you're right in the middle of the Big Ten, I mean, it's going to come down to non-conference, um, who you beat in the Big Ten, and whether you did anything in a conference tournament. I mean, even though the Big Ten is a stacked conference, um, it that's what it's going to come down to. I mean, that's just how it works. But, uh I mean, I don't know. With uh, Bruce Pearl, he's guaranteeing five SEC teams are in there. So I don't know if there's going to be a spot um, <laughs> for Iowa here. But, uh, um, yeah, his his insane prediction aside, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're going to be they're going to be right on the bubble. I mean, it's it's going to be tight, but um, I I think they're going to fall just short because I I'm not sure they're going to they're going to win some of those non-conference games, but. Hey, they pull an upset or two. I I think they're right in the mix there. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, any any closing thoughts on Iowa, uh, Ryan? Uh, no, I think we did a good job of covering it. I mean, <laughs> no, I, I have nothing left, no. <laughs> All right, uh, Josh. Um, I just think watching Iowa, I mean, I think they're going to be a really fun team to watch regardless, but my, my favorite person to watch on Iowa is always Fran McCaffrey. He is one of the more enjoyable <laughs> coaches in the Big Ten. You've always got at least an ejection or two looming every season, and uh, and I think we'll keep I keep think we'll keep them fun this year. Uh, Rob, yeah, I think we pretty much nailed it. Uh, it'll be a fun <laughs> team to watch. It'll be you got to watch Fran McCaffrey definitely. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, yeah. I think they're um, they're going to be an interesting team. I think uh, obviously the Big Ten it was all over the place. Everybody was upsetting everybody, it seemed like, last year. So, who knows? Maybe they'll pull out, you know, maybe they'll knock out Wisconsin, which uh, that I'm sure that'll be a heck of a game. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to watch this whole uh, tri-state rivalry thing here with Iowa, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. Um, all three seem like they're certainly up and up in basketball right now. Uh, Ryan, how, how do you how, – how does it uh, – how's that, like, whole tri-state thing perceived right now? Um, well, we always hate both teams, so, I mean, it's always there. Um, uh, Minnesota's got a nice little program coming up now, though, and Wisconsin obviously is annoyingly good every year. So, um, it's definitely, I I wouldn't say it's just central to that, though. The entire Big Ten now is, you don't want to see any team. So, um, yeah, that's there, but, like, it's not restricted to that either by any means. Okay, yeah, well, um, well, that'll wrap up our Iowa discussion here. Um, we're going to move on to Minnesota next. Um, Ryan, feel free to stick around for Minnesota if you want. Um, otherwise, thanks for thanks for checking us out. <laughs> yeah, I um, actually got to get going, guys, so it was nice talking to you guys, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, all right? All right, yeah, thanks for coming on. All right, take it easy, Ryan. All right, take care. <laughs> all right, um, yeah, so that was uh, Ryan. Um, he's cover a lot of Iowa. He wrote for BT Powerhouse for a long time this summer. Um, but we'll move on to Minnesota, the Golden Gophers, um, last year's NIT champions, which, according to Richard Pacino, he didn't know whether you're supposed to celebrate or not. So, um, <laughs> well, whatever. We'll we'll celebrate it. Yeah, congrats. Um, <laughs> um, Josh, we'll start with you. What are your general thoughts here about Minnesota? Um, I mean, I'm really interested to see how they replace some of the guys they lost. Um, obviously the biggest guy is Austin Hollins. He was one of their leading guards. He and his brother Andre in the backcourt were a really good tandem. Um, they, they're losing Malik Smith off the bench, who was uh, kind of an energy guy. Um, and one of the guys that I'm really interested to see how they replace is Otto Oceanix. He went about 6'8". He kind of would play a 3-4 role for them, kind of come off the bench, shoot the three. Um, so it would be interesting to see how they replace him. Um, Richard Pitino, you know, another tough year in the Big Ten. Um I don't know. We'll see if he can if he can get some of some of the younger players to get going. The Minnesota could have a really nice year. Uh, Rob, how do you see it? Um, I mean, they did have a lot of people that they lost. Yeah, definitely. And the recruiting class is all right. I I still think they might be one year away from uh, actually making noise. I think uh, Richard Pitino is a good coach, and he's young, and he can build the program. And he started, but. He had a lot of work to do. 
Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. I think the departure of Austin Hollins is definitely the thing to watch um, this year. Uh, huge piece for them last year and huge piece in that, that whole NIT run, which, again, don't know how you perceive it, but for me, I've always perceived it as a good thing. Um, obviously not the NCAA tournament, but um, I consider that a pretty good year for a first-year coach um, last year. And uh, I'm interested to watch this backcourt with uh, Andre Hollins um, and DeAndre Matthews. I think uh, he's a nice piece and um, really had a nice season last year. Um, yeah, conveniently, uh, we're moving to the positional stuff with guards. Uh, Josh, how do you see the backcourt? Uh, well, like you just said, you know, they're going to start um, Andre Hollins and, uh, and DeAndre Matthew. Matthew's a little smaller at 5'9", at um, and Hollins is 6'2". So between the two of them, there's not huge size back there, you know, but they're both really, really good players. Um I don't know. Maybe maybe you'll see somebody like um, like Charles Bugs get a little run at two or three. I'm not quite sure. He didn't have a great year, but uh, he kind of came out at the end and did some really nice things. Um, and maybe they can get something out of their recruits. I don't know much about about Minnesota's recruits, to be totally honest. I don't know what what they bring, but I don't know. Maybe maybe Patino can get something out of those guys too. But I think you'll see a lot of Holland and Matthew in the backcourt together. Uh, Rob, what do you think of uh, the backcourt? And maybe if you want to add a little insight on uh, Minnesota's recruiting class. <laughs> well, yeah, it'll definitely be Helens and Matthew to start. And uh, they brought in Nate Mason, who's a point guard. And they brought in Carlos mm-hmm. Morris, who uh, is a lot like Trey Dickerson coming from junior college and to play shooting guard. And really the nice thing about him, he's 6'5". So if you look at Matthew, who's you know, only 5'9", sometimes you're going to need some size out there. So you bring in a guy like uh, Carlos Morris, and that helps that. Yeah, I think um, the interesting thing, I mean, in classic Patino style, um, deals a lot of pressure. Um, I, th- I think I think Matthew is just the perfect little uh, guy in there. Uh, and I say little um, as a positive here. <laughs> but um, he, I think he was, if Minnesota had been a better team, I think tons of people would have really liked him. Um, I do think, like he, like you mentioned, I think he's going to be a little tapped out, you know, uh, not being able to get, you know, to the top end of the all-conference just because of the size. I mean, he's he's a small guard. But, um, you know, bringing the pressure on the defensive end and uh, offensively, I think, I mean, he's a really nice passer. And uh, not to just talk about him, but uh, Andre Hollins is a – he can score. He can light up the scoreboard. So I think, um, I think you have two really good starters there and uh, – I don't think this is the best backcourt in the Big Ten, but I definitely think it's up there. I think it's up in the uh, top quadrant. Uh, quadrant. Um, but yeah, uh, I also, I also like you mentioned uh, Nate Mason. I think, uh, I think he definitely outside of you know the transfer, um, he's the top recruit in this class, and I think uh, he'll definitely see some playing time just because they're going to need a backup. <laughs> but uh, Josh, how do you how do you see the uh, the wing? Um, area performing. Um, well, I mentioned Charles Bugs a little bit. Um, like I said, didn't have a great beginning of the year, but really came on strong at the end. Um, so I think you'll definitely see him playing a lot. Um, a guy like Joey King, uh, a junior and, and experienced player, I think you'll see him probably backing up Bugs. Um, and maybe Carlos Morris gets some run into three too if they decide to go a little bit smaller. But um, I think those. Three guys, for the most part, will probably play two, three. Maybe you'll even see Bucks or King at the four if they decide to go a little smaller as well. Uh, Rob, how do you uh, see the, the wing area? 
Yeah, I think you could definitely put Carlos Morris at the three if you uh, want to go a little smaller. And Charles Budge did come on at the end of last year. So those will be two guys that will be in there. Um, I don't – they don't have much depth. That's that's one issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, I think the, depth, yeah. the depth is a big thing on this team. Um, they it, – it, it seems like they have at least one guy who can start at almost every position. Um, and, and this is one of the major concerns I had with them this year and why I, I wasn't willing to bump them up higher. It was just that, uh, especially if someone goes down, they're in big trouble. But, um, yeah, I like I like Morris to start out on the wing. I think he uh, – I mean, obviously it's a question mark. We don't know how he's going to be coming in. But um, I think he's going to have a nice little boost out there. I think uh, he'll be able to score and – Add a nice complimentary piece for Matthew to uh, get the ball out to him. Um, sort of the stretch for I I really like Joey King. I know he uh, he he's kind of up and down. Not everybody's as high on him as I am, but uh, I really like him. He played a ton in the NIT, um, and I think he was a vital piece in that whole run. Um, obviously not to the level of like Austin Hollins or anything, but. Uh, I think I think he's he's going to turn some heads this year. I mean, he's still he's still a relatively young guy, um, and I think he's going to, um, and uh, along with him, uh, Bugs. I mean, young. He didn't play a ton last year, kind of like King. But uh, you know, you expect you expect at least one of those guys to hopefully uh, turn the page. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess moving more towards the uh, the front court. Um, how do you see that working out, Josh? I mean, I think this is almost like similar to what we were talking about with Iowa. I mean, you have two redshirt seniors in Mo Walker and Elliot Elias and that are really going to shore up the, the front court, both, you know, veteran guys. Um, Elias is more of a jump shot, a little bit more of an outside game. Mo Walker is more of a, of a kind of pounded inside and, and play defense and get rebounds, but both really solid. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know much about the freshmen. They have two, Two guys, one originally from Mali, one originally from Senegal. I don't know how long they've been playing uh, in the U.S. for. So those guys could be a year or two away from really contributing. But uh, can you play Walker and Eliasson together, I guess, is going to be Richard Pacino's big question. Uh, Rob, um, again, if you want to uh, shed a little light on the recruiting class as well, um, <laughs> that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're both, they both got some nice size, but they're both pretty raw, like we saw with Iowa. So they might be a year or two away, but again, it, just like Iowa, you might have to just put them in and let them uh, learn on the fly. Yeah, I think um, I think Ellison and Dan Walker are definitely guys up front. I I like them on the defensive side. I think they're both at least decent rebounders. I just I, I know this this team is going to be backcourt driven. It's it's just gonna, and I think that's going to be a general theme under Patino, but um. I'm, I'm struggling to see how these guys are going to score much. Uh, they didn't do a ton, and typically by this point in a player's career, you don't ex- you you kind of know what you're getting with Allison um, and Walker. Who knows? Maybe you know. Maybe they'll be surprising. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Patino recruiting internationally that'll be uh, <laughs> an interesting thing to watch. Um, maybe Minnesota will become the international Kentucky, just getting all the <laughs> the huge people. But, um, or St. Mary's with well, Australia, uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, um, yeah, it's it's always interesting. I mean, I'm. It, it's odd because I shouldn't be 
it's weird because you're, I'm almost more skeptical of the international recruits than the high school recruits, which, I mean, it's not like the high school kids are playing great competition, but that's a whole, that's a whole side story. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, if one of those guys can emerge, I mean, they, this team could be pretty good. I mean, they just, they need another piece either off the bench or, um, to fill in on one of those, you know, wing or stretch four to really turn the corner and be competitive. But, uh, you know, there are pieces there, I mean, like we've been saying. Um, and maybe one of those international guys can do something. But, uh, yeah, I guess moving into this is perfect for Rob, um, the recruiting class. Uh, Rob, do you want to wanna jump in there first? Yeah, I can definitely do that. Uh, I mean, we've pretty much brushed on all of them so far, but it's definitely an improvement compared to the last class we saw from uh, Tubby Smith. Uh, they're up to we- 71st in the – can we take one second to acknowledge that great Tubby Smith uh, wipeout motorcycle <laughs> video? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm so I'm so disappointed that wasn't in the Big Ten. Uh, man, I would have had a field day with that. But, uh, <laughs> all right, uh, Rob, feel free to continue. <laughs> yeah, this is a pretty – it's a pretty good class. It reminds me a lot of Iowa where there's a couple things they could have done a little bit better. And I do have a full breakdown coming probably later this week. Uh, and really, if you want to just look next year, their 2015 class right now is 30th in the country. So just improvement under Patino recruiting-wise every year so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like some of the guys they have in 2015. And um, obviously, I think I think long-term Patino is going to have his program in really good shape. But uh, it's kind of a general theme of all the different teams, so take it for what it's worth. <laughs> um, Josh, any thoughts on the recruiting class? Um, not much. I mean, basically, the big thing is finding one or two guys within the recruiting class that can play decent minutes. If it's whether it's Mason, whether it's Morris, whether it's one of the international guys, they need something. So if they can get something out of one or two of those guys, then they'll be in much better shape depth-wise than we think right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like an A. Mason. Um, I think he's going to play. I think he's going to play a lot more than people think. Um, and I say that because. Uh, he's playing in the backcourt, which, you know, I, I've been rambling. I think it's their best, you know, positional group. So it, it's odd that I that I say I think he's going to play more, but I think um, I think they're going to find ways to bring him on the court. Um, and again, he's he's obviously he's I think he's a three star recruit, you know, for two four seven. So obviously he's not, you know, uh, a five star you know, crazy blue chip recruit. But um, I think I think he's going to be able to contribute, and I think he's going to help facilitate those bench minutes and maybe Patino can slide guys around. Um, not as con- Andre Collins at the three might be a little bit of a question mark, but, um, but I, I mean, he, uh, I think he's going to get time and I think he's going to be a, a nice spark for uh, years to come. But uh, yeah, I guess moving on. I mean, you are obviously know my opinion on this already, but what do you think is the biggest strength of this team? Uh, Josh, um, yeah, I mean, I think you're definitely right with the backcourt. I mean, with Hollins and Matthew, I mean, you have two real veterans, guys that, that know the system, guys that, that know what they're doing. Um, I don't know, and I also think I think the center position and whether or not they play Maurice Walker at the four remains to be seen, but I think with Eliason and Walker both being retired seniors, both knowing how to play, I mean, it's great that you have, you know, three positions that are really great and then the other two were total question marks, so... I guess the big strength is the backcourt and the and the, the center position. 
Uh, Rob, what do you think? Um, it's definitely the backcourt. I mean, there's not much to add compared to what you two said, but it's definitely the backcourt. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I'll, I'll only address it slightly since I've rambled on this a lot, but, uh, yeah, I definitely think it's the backcourt. Um, I think you have a, a top-end point guard, um, and I think you have a really nice guard in Andre Hollins. Um, so, I mean, you got two starters there. I like Nate Mason again, so you're going to have a competent backup if I'm right. But, uh, <laughs> um, so I think you got, I, I think you got some good depth there too, but, um, that's an interesting thing you bring up the center position. Um, yeah, if they play Eliason and Walker there, I think um, you at least you at least have two solid guys. I mean, uh, w- would you agree with that? I mean, I don't think either's great, but uh, um, no, I think you can get four guys that do that and and ten fouls, and and then you see kind of what happens. And and like I said, they might just based on depth have to move Walker down to the four, and, and you see where it goes from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the wing. I think I think it's fair to say, unless you know, um, they're going to get a lot of production out of the newcomers, especially Morris. I think um, the wing is pretty clearly the weakest. Well, I should save that for when we get into the weakest category. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I think the center position, if they don't move around Walker or anything, could be a pretty pretty solid uh, group. Uh, Rob, do you agree with that? Or oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you have two guys that have been around. Now know the system, uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we might as well jump in. Uh, biggest weakness on this team, uh, Josh. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, you're, you hit the nail on the head. It's the wings. Um, it's who's going to start. It's who's going to be consistent. It's who's going to be able to score. Who's going to be able to guard. I mean, with the wings, you have guys, um, you know, where you might have to guard Teron Petaway, players like that, and, can you trust Charles Bugs to go up against Teron Petaway or Joey King? I mean, I don't know whether they're good enough, quick enough, things like that to, to play against them. So I don't know whether Patino is going gonna, is gonna to play two of them together, whether he'll pick one and, and lean on them, but, but that definitely is a weakness right now. Okay. Um, Rob, what do you think? Um, well, like we touched on earlier, I think we just have to go overall depth. They they are not a very deep team, and you have to be deep in the Big Ten, especially. You have to have, you know, at least seven or eight guys that you can just rotate in and out. Mm-hmm. I think, um, spinning off the depth thing, just so I, uh, I think everybody knows, I, I, I think the Wings is the weakest group, just to get that out of the way. But, um, kind of on the depth, I think one thing that this team does have is uh, a lot of experience, um, I, I think in many ways, Iowa and Minnesota are pretty similar, so it's kind of fitting that they both ended up on this, you know, yeah. same podcast. But, uh, yeah, I think I think they have a pretty good amount of experience here, um, especially, you know, if Morris starts. I mean, he's a transfer, so he has some experience. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, getting back to the, you know, the side tangent, but uh, getting back to the, uh, um, the weakest position on this team, I definitely – I think it's the wing, and I think um, – they're really they invested a I don't I don't want to say they invested a lot in Morris, but you really need Morris to be good or else this team's gonna be um struggle to really contend at the top level. Um Austin Hollins, he was he's kinda like uh he was kinda like um Matthew just in the fact that he really under the radar. Austin Hollins was a really good player and people 
You know, he didn't. He wasn't as good as obviously the guys like Stauskas, Gary Harris, guys like that. But he was actually really good. And I think um, people discount the fact that he was he was like pretty easily uh, Minnesota's best player last year. Like in total win shares, he was 1.1 above anybody else on the whole team, which is actually pretty significant. Um, and pretty much, in, he was good in all the efficiency stats as well. Um, yeah, I guess just to, just to run off that comment a little bit, how do, how do you see them replacing Austin Allen's if they can, uh, Josh? Um, I think just kind of everyone playing together. I mean, you're not. I don't think you're really going to get the the type of production. Um, that he gave you last year, like you said. More than anything, too, just the intangibles, just one of those guys that you know night in and night out in the Big Ten. I mean, looking at his stats, he had, you know, besides for the scoring, he had five rebounds per game, two steals, mm-hmm. almost three assists, things like that that are, that you know, you, you can't just replace overnight. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I think I think you're really going to need, you're really going to need guards that, um that are willing to to move the ball around and to get some of the wings involved, especially because we're saying how weak they could be. They're going to need open shots to kind of be productive in in Richard Pitino's system. Yeah, and uh, Rob, I'll let you respond in a second, but uh, um, I think that is a great point that you brought up the rebounds because that was part of my overall point, but I forgot to bring it up. That uh, I mean, if you're getting like five rebounds out of game, and he was he was pretty consistent and. Uh, and that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're talking about a guy who plays out on the wing and in the backcourt, that's a lot of rebounds. Um, it brings so much pressure off your front court. Um, I know for uh, um, obviously following Michigan, since I'm a, a Michigan fan, I think uh, you know guys like Lavert and Hardaway and stuff. They they would get those sneaky rebounds, and by the end of the night, they add up. They get you extra possessions, and I think um, and even even Derek yeah. Walton too last year, the same thing. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is like the rebounds. Yeah, and they and they they're not huge for a possession, but it's like if you have three guys who are getting like four or five rebounds by the end of the night, they they add up and really help the front court. Um, sure. And I think he was one of those players. Uh, I kind of I kind of feel the same about Aaron White, where he wasn't. Aaron White's not dominant in any one factor, but he's just really good across the board. Um, and I think that's why people overlook guys like Austin Hollins, like Aaron White, just because they don't have that one stat that's insane. But, um, yeah, before I go off too much on that, <laughs> um, Rob, how do you, how do you, do you think they can replace Austin Hollins? Um, I think if they do, it'll be like you guys said, it's not going to be with any one player. It's going to take a team effort because like you said, he just, he did so much so well. And you can't expect one player to just step up and do that. Yeah, I think um, I think that's right, and I, I I think that's kind of how you have to replace any star player, unless you're lucky enough to have someone huge just step right in. Um, but for most teams, I think it's just uh, hopefully everyone can pick up the slack a little bit. But uh, yeah, I guess um, again that was the weakest section category. Um, I had wings. Um, I think you. That's kind of agreed in depth, but um, what do you think is going to be the the biggest storyline of this season, uh, Josh? Um, I think the biggest thing, to be honest, I'm looking at, at looking at their schedule. They have a couple semi difficult um, non conference games. They go to New York where they have St. John's, and then either Gonzaga or Georgia, and then then I think the Patinos plan to family trip to Puerto Rico to, to play that game. I don't know what's going on there, but. Um, 
Uh, and then they, go to Wake <laughs> then they go to Wake Forest during the ACC Big Ten Challenge, which could be tough, but a winnable game. Um, and the rest of the non-conference schedule isn't too bad. So hopefully, guys, like we're saying, some of the some of the freshmen um, can kind of get their feet wet. And, you know, guys like Mason, guys like Carlos Morris, where middle of December, early January games come around and they're ready and they've played big minutes and, and they've played in the system. And so they're not going into these hostile environments having never played meaningful minutes before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob, what do you think is the biggest storyline of the season? Um, well, you know, I think this could be somewhat considered transition year because I think even though they won the NIT last year, I think next year's the year that they're going to start being really good. So you really do need to see how do the players this year, the younger guys, develop, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of agree because I think um, it's odd because in terms of younger coaches who haven't been around a while, I think outside of Tim Miles, who's the obvious runaway leader, um, I think Richard Bertino is the most exciting guy in the Big Ten just because um, the potential is through the roof. I mean, he, he's, he had, doesn't have a long track record, but obviously he comes from – I don't want to say basketball royalty, but kind of basketball royalty. And um, he's been successful in his first year. Again, uh, um, obviously an NIT championship, whether you view it as good or bad, I still, I personally think it's a success. Um, I think this year is pretty big, though, and I think the biggest storyline is um, how how do they build in year two? Because um, I kind of agree with you, um, and I talked a little bit about this in the Iowa predictions, but um, I don't think they're quite good enough to really contend at the top level this year. I'm not sure they're going to make the NCAA tournament. So, um, yeah, developing those young guys, getting playing time, um, trending upward, um, I think are going to be big big things to follow this year. Who do you guys see as the uh, the X factor this year for Minnesota? Uh, Josh? Um, I, think it's, I think it's Andre Hollins to be honest, um, Austin left, and I think Andre played extremely well in the backcourt last year. Um, he was actually the leading scorer for Minnesota. Um, and I think he just needs to – I think he needs to be a 20-point-per-game scorer and be, you know, in consideration for first-team All-Big Ten, probably second-team All-Big Ten for Minnesota to really have a shot at making the NCAA tournament. Uh, Rob, who do you see as the X-Factor for this season? Um. I will go with DeAndre Matthews since uh, we went with Andre Hollins here. But, you know, he is technically, I guess, replacing Austin Hollins. So, I mean, even though, as we just said, he won't be – he's replacing him physically, not, you know, on the stat sheet. But position-wise, yeah. But uh, he can score with them. I mean, he – I think they both averaged probably the same amount of points last year. I mean, he can't do all the other stuff, but – um, he will definitely end up being the X factor, yeah. Yeah, that's an uh, that's an interesting pick. Um, yeah, obviously I've I've ranted about uh, Matthew a good chunk already, but uh, yeah, I think um I think Morris is the the X factor for me just because um if he can be productive, you you have a pretty good starting lineup um on this team. I won't say great, but I mean if he can be solid, you at least have a solid starter at pretty much every position. Um. Bench would obviously still be a little bit light, but uh, yeah, he's he's my X factor for this year. But uh, yeah, I guess move, moving on to um, uh, predictions here, Josh. Uh, what are your predictions for Minnesota? Um, 
I don't know. I don't I don't see Minnesota having such a good year. I feel like the big difference, you know, comparing them and Iowa is Iowa has a little bit more uh talent in the front court. I think they're back. I mean, maybe Minnesota has a little more talent in the back court, but I don't know. I just feel like there's too many holes right now in Minnesota's team. Um I think that they'll like I said, they'll have some early wins. They'll have a very good record going into Big 10 play. But I don't I don't see it. I just don't think Richard Pitino has enough this year. I still don't know whether Morris if Morris becomes, you know, a great player, then maybe they get to nine and nine. But I see more of an eight and ten, seven and eleven season for Minnesota and no NCAA tournament. Uh, Rob, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. Like I said, it's really just a transitional year for them. So I think probably they, if they could do what they did last year, that'd be great. If they get to eight and ten again, but I'm not gonna go with that. Maybe seven and eleven for them. They'll be. They'll be good, but not, you know, they're not going to the tournament this year. Next year, probably. Yeah, I think I think we're kind of all in the same pack. I have Minnesota ninth in the Big Ten this year, right beyond Iowa, right ahead of Maryland. Um, I think this team is just – I don't think it has the, you know, that one star that can kind of make up for some of the deficiencies in the lineup. And I think um, even – unless, unless Morris is, you know, the real deal, I think they're going to struggle to um, – to have enough in their lineup, and especially on the bench. I mean, the wing, the wing is a big question mark and a big area of concern. Um, and even, you know, even the backcourt, which which I like a lot. Um, if Nate Mason isn't for real, like you're going to have to find backup minutes. You know, maybe McNeil or someone can come in. But uh, I think it'll be. I think they're gonna. It's gonna be one of those seasons where it's a little frustrating because they're gonna fall just short. Um, but as as Josh brought up, I think. Uh, you know, maybe if they win some of those non-conference games, you know, maybe they can, maybe they can slide in. <laughs> you know, weirdest things have happened. But, uh, yeah, all right. Um, Josh, do you have any final thoughts on Minnesota? Uh, no, unless you can get us some of those passes to Puerto Rico, then I don't know. But I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be nice, um, checking out the, the Patinos battling it out. Rob, how go. are you? Um, no, not really. I just got to say, I am really looking forward to that Patino battle. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that's going to be one of the most fun non-conference games <laughs> this year. Um, but yeah, um, all right. Well, that, that wraps up our Minnesota preview here and we're continuing on, um, with our season preview series. I think our next one is, I want to see, Illinois, um, trying to pull it up real quick here. Um, but yeah, thanks for everyone for checking us out. Thanks for you guys for calling in. Um, yeah, our next one is Illinois and Indiana. Um, a lot of Hoosiers fans will be, uh, excited for that one. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, Josh, uh, thanks for calling in. Uh, Rob, thanks for calling in as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm Thomas Bendit with the Big Ten Powerhouse. I'm the manager over here, and thanks for everyone for tuning in. And we'll see you for Illinois and Indiana. Bye. <laughs>